everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Game Off Podcast. This week we're going to be going over some news about uh, Sekiro and Easy Modes, as well as the Epic Game Store. Finally, we'll go over our matchup of the week. This week it happens to be Kingdom Hearts 3 versus Far Cry New Dawn. Alright, I'm Brent Langevin, joined by... Andrew Paulo. Today we're going to start off by talking about the uh, Sekiro Easy Mode debate. I do not think... That Sekiro should have an easy mode. Dun, dun, oh, dun. Let's, I, I want to, I think the first thing we need to do is define terms here. Because there, I think there's there's a difference between whether or not it would benefit from one, when it, whether or not one is required, and whether or not development time should have been spent on it. Okay. Like, away um, from, away, assuming that no additional development time would be given for it, should the time they had have been spent on it. I think you could make the argument and maybe you would disagree that that the game wouldn't be made worse if by snapping my fingers an easy mode could be added at the expense of no one see i think that that's a, a fair point as long as the design of the game isn't like completely thrown off like if the game is built around having a certain amount of challenge then you know just being able to do whatever you want take as many hits as you want on one of these bosses sort of uh, diminishes the entire point of what the designers were trying to go for but i think to some degree i I would agree with you that if like you know if they could add it or maybe they could add it like six months later it doesn't really diminish what the game could be it's it's sort of hard to say like i i for one this is background i always play on the hardest difficulty or at least close to some games are bullshit um (laughs) but the other thing is from software who developed that game and as well as the dark souls series for anyone who doesn't know they 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 very much have a very lean dev cycle like these games are all built on the same engine like i don't think sekiro is in development for more than two years um even some of the dark souls games were only in development for like a year and a half so with us with a short development cycle like that you could definitely say like if this if this was their vision of what they wanted to create, and they had this amount of time to create it in, especially now working with it's Activision, right? That published this? Yes, yes. Yeah, so if there were any constraints put on them for a release date or release schedule, easy mode, almost you know, like a tutorial level, I could see being something that is, all right, if we, if we have time at the end, we'll put this in. Mm. Let's not sacrifice sort of as a any... Final polish. Yeah, let's not sacrifice any of our main dev time on this. I can totally understand that. Where my surprise with this, and it's my, I have the same reaction every time this happens, because there was the same thing with uh, with Mario Kart on the Switch, the Mario Kart Eight, when they added the like driver assist modes, huh. and people getting very upset about that for the same reason of it's not really playing the game, it's not the real experience. Is that more for the competitive aspect of the game, or the people like just think it ruins the fundamentals of the game itself? There are definitely people who are saying, and I, I think there are with Mario Kart Eight. There's not like I don't think you can use those in competitive mode. Right. I don't okay. think you can go and play online. But if you know, if you and I are playing, you can turn on steering assists. You know, uh, it auto accelerates for you. Mm. You can turn those handicaps on for yourself. Okay. Yeah, but in like a co-op ex- experience, like accessibility is sort of the name of the game, right? You you don't want there to be barriers between you and playing with someone else, anyone else, your little brother, right. you know, your grandmother, like a game like Mario Kart lends itself a lot more to 
driver assist or in easy mode of some discreet, mm. some descript. Yeah, you could say the same even like with Forza. Forza has a, a really granular set of driving assists that oh, yeah. you can turn on and off. And oh, yeah. I, that, that helped It'll me. It'll tell quite you a bit. where it, to drive. Yeah. Yeah. You can turn that down to essentially like someone who's never played a game before can sit down and do pretty well. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's ever complained about that in that game. But that, that game, especially the Forza Horizon series, is very much built around like being able to play with literally fucking everyone. Like right. where we're getting getting a little bit away from the topic, though, is Sekiro's very much a single player experience, just like all the Dark Souls games were. I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of there being only one difficulty, but I like it when there's two like hyper tuned difficulties. You know that the developers like went out of their way and made sure everything was paced correctly, felt right. I think God of War is a really good example of this. I think there's only two or three difficulties. And uh, that game on the hardest difficulty, I would say, is like the only way to play that game. But like, that's me. So I could see how my opinion would diverge a little bit. That's where you kind of get into the difficulty of is it? Okay is the wrong word, but I can't think of a better word for it. Is it okay to create a game that intentionally gatekeeps itself? Like, is it okay to make a game that just says, this game is extremely difficult, and we have no interest in you playing it if you can't handle its difficulty? I mean, to some degree, we have so many mediums that are already like that. When you pick up a movie or something, you're, you're not... Like not everyone's going to watch the movie the same way, but it's still the same movie no matter what. And like it was very much designed from the ground up. Every scene was like perfectly curated for one reason or another. And it just exists the way it is. And people and, you know, come as come as you are. Enjoy it or don't. Well, e- even with movies, though, I mean, every Batman movie has that scene at the beginning where they say, if you just landed from Mars and don't know who Batman is, he's the guy in the bat suit whose parents died outside (laughs) of a theater. Like here, here is your introduction because you're an idiot and have never somehow never been exposed to Batman before. We're going to explain to you what this is. But yeah, I guess that's probably more for the financials. Like exposition is always in, the benefit of the publishers and game developers. We, we're seeing that more and more now, like with how many reboots there are. Like, why wasn't God of War God of War four? It's because they want people to see it as a new entry point. It's not necessarily like an accessibility thing. It's more of just like, please give give it another go. Don't even think about it. With this though, I think there's something to be said for because I, I think that you wouldn't sell less copies if Sekro had an easy mode. At minimum, you'd sell the same number of copies that you sold. Yeah, right. But I mean, like, to to what extent are you sacrificing like your own vision of what you want this game to be to sell more copies? From at least has that luxury of being able to make these decisions. Like, I'm guessing mm. Activision was pretty much like, you guys have uh, struck gold a few times now. Like, we're gonna let you do your thing because we don't own you. Well, I think of because there's been along with this a lot of people on Twitter and things like that posting very tongue in cheek pictures of like the warp zones and Mario or the Konami code with the same kind of language of you're cheating yourself out of the full experience as the same kind of things that people would have done on older games and games in the past Hmm. that whether or not it fits into Sekiro's vision, I don't know, but I think there's something to be said for 
is I know I didn't beat Mario three, for example, the first time through without using any warp whistles. Mm. And I talked to people who would say that using P wings, even though they can be earned in game is still, is still cheating and not playing it real. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that there's, there are people out there that may actually may have benefited from playing the easy mode and then graduating to a harder difficulty. Yeah, no, I think I think you're starting to put ideas in my head because I, I distinctly <laughs> I know I distinctly remember playing like Grand Theft Auto three and basically just being, you know, it was probably 10, 12, 13, somewhere around there. Hmm. I don't know when that game came out and probably shouldn't have had it in my possession. Thanks, family. <laughs> um, but I mean, for the most part, I was literally like doing the first three missions, getting bored out of my mind and then just just spamming cheat codes and don't run around in a tank doing next to nothing. And for some reason at the time, I thought it was like the best experience in the world. I don't think I could ever use a cheat code now. Cause I don't want, like I, I, I do feel like to some extent I'm cheating myself out of the full experience. I, I wouldn't take that experience away from someone else and tell them that they were wrong. Hmm. So, so I, I think I'm coming closer to you on the topic. Maybe. I think that there's a, there's, and again, there's always the, the issue of development time and what would have to, what would have had to have been sacrificed. Because you can always make an easy mode by just okay, the weapon damage is twice as much, and enemy damage, enemy health right. is half. Yeah. And that's a you know the old Nintendo style of easy, medium, hard mm-hmm. of just you know you know more health, few, greater pickups, or less health, fewer pickups. Right. But and I then, think, but, but how many people have to then like touch it on that mode to make sure that the the experience is the like the same? Like it's not just you whipping around, one shotting everything, and acting like like Spider Man. Right. Like, yeah. That's, that's, de- they've, that's very much not the game that they developed and like put their heart and soul into. Right. And I think that's where I think the argument of this would be a lesser game if they had if they had the same amount of development time, but had to devote whatever percentage of it to creating an easy mode that mm. some other part of the game might have suffered. I, mean, I wasn't, yeah. you know, I, we don't know the specifics of the dev cycle, but that's, I think, a really reasonable thing to believe. Yeah, I think the best case scenario would have been they finished the game and then were somehow magically given another month to put in an easy mode, mm. you know, at, at no expense to the, the original. I, I think what would they probably benefit or what could be a nice medium, which, you know, some games do, is that you've got the difficulty-based achievements you beat the game on easy and then there's still that you beat the game on the way it's meant to be played Mm -hmm. yeah yeah with with that definitely comes its own sort of uh (laughs) self-satisfaction yeah no i i think i think if anything you probably moved me a little bit closer to to the middle on this topic but i i still think that they just unapologetically didn't sacrifice their vision for the game because it it isn't Hmm. like that it has any difficulties like it's not like there's a hard mode or a normal mode it's very much just this is the game we made please enjoy it i'm sorry if you didn't yeah and that's completely respectful i i respect that and i can think of a ton of games that i played and sucked hard at like something like ikaruga which i am just i'm garbage at that type of game to begin with and i remember getting ikaruga for dreamcast and being like I don't even think you could easy mode this game. I think I'm just garbage and I can't play this. Well, this is too garbage and everyone's garbage. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not the, I don't have that mind body game connection to play this (laughs) magic color changing black and white shmup that requires me to use a hundred percent of my brain all the time. 
Yeah. And that's the craziest thing about that game, too, is it's it's two it's two buttons. You would think you'd go <laughs> in and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be great at this game It's so simple. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's I, I, they call it bullet hell for a reason. Yeah. Same with Cuphead. Cuphead was another one that I played and I got, you know, halfway through. I'm like, I can't. I am. I am at my my skill ceiling here. I'm not going <laughs> to get better. And Cuphead isn't going to get any easier for me. <laughs> sure isn't. Yeah, and that's that's another one that people definitely had problems with the difficulty in that game, and they said, "No, this is this is the game we made. We wanted to play it." I think the one thing that also hits into this that's kind of you know uh, uh, tangentially related is that at least for like if you bought this game on Steam, you have two hours to figure out whether or not the game's too hard for you. That is interesting. It, that's I think that's more of a knock on Steam because two hours oh, yeah. is too fucking short. And I think that that's you know you can get two hours into Dark Souls before you realize, oh, I'm not, this isn't just a difficult beginning. This is a difficult game. Yeah. And this is a game that does not get easier after, you know, the first 30%. Mm-hmm. It stays yeah. this difficulty the whole way through. Yeah, they, they definitely manage your expectations because every time you start feeling stronger, it just kicks you right in the nuts. Yeah. And then th- throws you off a cliff. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so I think we solved that. Yeah, we, we solved it. Thanks, Internet. You can go home now. Um, please yep. stop posting memes that say get good. It's not <laughs> it's not contributing to a discussion. That's just lazy. Now we have some interesting uh, news coming out about the Epic Game Store. Yeah, it's we've kind of not hit any of the Epic Game Store stuff since, you know, it, it, they first started grabbing exclusives. Hmm. So I think this is this is less a specific news story and more an overarching this is the world of PC gaming now. Yeah, it's, and... it's start, starting to reach a fever pitch. It's it's clear that they didn't just pay off a few different companies to get exclusives, but but do the do the full the full realm of everything for s- some of our new listeners. Yeah, so we had I think the first big one was Metro, and Metro no longer being available on Steam and only being available on the Epic Game Store because of some I don't, I don't know if the, the amount of money ever got publicized. Mm. but a a very sizable contribution to their coffers to get them as well, an exclusive more than likely yeah and and to be fair also it should be noted that the epic game store gives a larger percentage of proceeds to the developers and publishers than yes. steam does just full disclosure yes so th- it's not just money that's moving people but, over yeah th- there are kind of like the switch there are things that are attracting independent developers over there as well mm. um the next big announcement I want to say was Outer Worlds. I know that was a got stuck in a lot of people's craws there because there are a lot of gamers who were very excited about that, mm. and they were the type of gamers who were also very excited about not this not being exclusive to Epic. Yeah, and so was was it like Metro where they had pre-orders up on Steam beforehand, and they were just like, never mind, we're bailing because the Metro I one don't... to me was the wackest probably. Yeah, I don't believe that one was available on Steam at any point. I think they okay. had announced it, like they had put some banners up for it, but I mm-hmm. don't believe it was actually out there on Steam for pre-purchase at any point. Gotcha. Uh, one of the other big ones was Phoenix Point, which was um, Julian Gallup, the original creator of XCOM, his kind of return to strategy gaming. Mm. And it was to add more... You know, general shadiness into it. This was one that was found, that was funded on Fig, which oh 
Tim Schafer's weird crowdfunding games by investing the, in them, but you can only invest if you have several thousand dollars to put in. Yeah, it's it's, it's investing for the upper middle class, so just like yeah. all other investing. <laughs> so that one got called as an epic exclusive and they got some money for that and people were I think that may be one of the m- more reasonable frustrations for people yeah. of when I invested in this game you had no you had no interest in making this an exclusive and now yeah. suddenly what I invested in you know the whole thing of it changed and not only changes what I can do with my own copy that I'm getting but also changes the nature of my investment itself yeah, absolutely. If I kickstarted a game and they mailed me a, a Wii U copy and it was meant for Xbox 360, I would literally throw it out a window. <laughs> uh, I know that. So some of the other big ones, I think of the, the the final season of The Walking Dead, I believe, is going to be on the Epic Game Store exclusive for a period of time. Uh, the the, the tell or not not Telltale anymore. The episodic one. Yes. What? That was my understanding. I may, maybe maybe that is outdated information well, that, here. That would be a real weird one, considering that it's like the first half of that season is already on Steam. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll take a word for it. I don't know. Uh, actually, Borderlands 3, before we get into that, the one that I'm most disappointed about is Dangerous Driving is an Epic Store exclusive. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, you've it been is. talking about the game for quite a while. I, I have been. It comes out tomorrow. It'll be the first game that I purchased through the Epic Store, ah. uh, other than giving money to Fortnite PvE. <laughs> so so there's an interesting point. Did it did it almost deter a purchase from you? No, uh, but I also... I already own games through Origin and Uplay and GOG and Steam and Epic, if you count, like their PC version of Shadow Complex and uh, Fortnite PvE and Unreal Tournament. Mm. So I already have a pretty splintered library, so that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. And this is going to be my own hypocrisy here. Because it's a a game that I'm excited about and a team that I kind of want to see succeed, anything that's going to, oh, good, someone gave them money to be exclusive, a company wants to have their game, I'm happy for them. Good job, guys. Good job, Three Fields. And that, that's absolutely the right attitude. It's like you, you want to support the developers first and foremost. Yeah, but I get that it's a uh, it will turn off some people. And mm. it does seem silly to me that I have the first two games in Steam and the third in a different system altogether. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like owning things for multiple consoles either. Like I tried to wait out some games and this is going to make me sound like an Xbox fanboy, but it's mostly just because I'm too lazy to switch inputs. So I've just I just lean on my one X the most. Um, but like sometimes I've very much waited to see if games were would be, that were previously like PS4 exclusives would eventually come out on Xbox. And when I'm finally like, eh, it's not coming out, I'll, I guess I'll switch my input. Uh, and then I guess the, the most recent one is Borderlands 3. That was the first recent big one to... Or that was the most recent big one to really get a lot of attention for being on the Epic Game Store and just having a very bizarre reveal. Yeah, the, the whole thing was a little bit uh, a little bit of a letdown. It was just like, hey, it's coming out. Like, I was at PAX East where it was technically announced, and there was literally... I didn't see a single sign for it. They didn't have it demoing anywhere. So it's just like, hey, hey, it's PAX East. That's an event. 
it's close enough to release. Let's talk about the game. Or is the quite literally it was just like, oh shit, it's six. It's literally six months before release. We should probably announce this game so we can start marketing. And then they did, and then they went away until Randy <laughs> started yelling at the internet again. Oh, yeah, that Randy. That release or that uh, announcement video was also like extremely lackluster. I feel like there just wasn't a lot in there to really get psyched about. Yeah, yeah, they seem to pretty much just be like, hey, it's more Borderlands. Uh, we know you love Borderlands. This is all the stuff that looks Borderlandsy. And and the gun with with legs. Yeah, <laughs> very Borderlandsy. Do do you have any strong feelings on the Epic exclusivity? debacle right now i don't because so much misinformation sort of come out about the epic game store like i know i know that uh the chinese company tencent has a huge uh market not market share owns a huge percentage of epic and they've sort of had shady dealings in the past there was also that whole malware thing that people malware spyware thing that i got completely debunked so like, I, I have apprehensions about it, but I mean, at the end of the day, if they're doing right by developers, if they're paying developers more of the money that they've worked so hard to get and it doesn't completely destroy the market, then I'm going to be a very happy camper. The only argument I've seen that I felt really worked was Jim Sterling made the point that the Epic Game Store as a storefront and as a, as a purchase p- portal is really bad. Hmm. Like, it doesn't have a cart yet. It doesn't have a lot of the features, you know, it doesn't have reviews. It doesn't have a lot of the features that you want from sure. a game store. Yeah. And that is, I think, a much more reasonable argument than just, I want all my games on Steam. Mm. Yeah. Well, one thing that Steam does do really well is outside of like the connecting to the DRM thing. If you don't want to see Steam, you don't have to see Steam. Y- yeah. So, uh, yeah. What, do you, what have you been playing this week, Andy? Other than Far Cry New Dawn. Other than Far Cry New Dawn, I uh, I actually got back into Gems of War since it got released on Switch. Oh, yeah, it's. I know that's not the most exciting answer. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's a match three game for those of you who don't know. It's it's got like an adventure yeah. mode and it's free to play, so they're, they're very money grubbing from what I remember. As far as microtransaction goes. It, I've not felt at any point that I needed to spend any money. Oh, that's good then. So that that I'll, I'll give them that. It's the like spiritual successor to the Puzzle Quest series for, by the original developers. Now that it's been taken into the direction of just licensing it out as a Adventure Time, Magic the Gathering, Marvel, you know, whatever yeah. license you've got, we'll take it and make a Puzzle Quest <laughs> game out of it. Do they actually have an Adventure Adventure Time one? They had an Adventure Time Puzzle I'd... Quest. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that. It was not the worst of the branded puzzle quests. The Marvel puzzle quest is my least favorite, hmm. but uh, this one is Gems of War is is good. It's well made. It's got an its online elements of guild and PvP are really well done. Hmm. The only real problem I've run into it is that it's uh, one of those games where the online community is gated off from all the other online communities. So if you want to play it on Switch, even though this is a a mobile game that you can also play on Steam. If you don't play it on Switch, you have to create a new character and play with only people who are playing on Switch. Oh. No way to import your character or or do like Warframe did where you had the one time switch your account over from PC to Switch. Yeah, so you can't do the, the print down where you just get everything and then moving forward, it's just, you know, you're, you're progressing nope. on one or the other. Yep, which seems really weird to me because Gems of War has been out for a long time and some people are 
very much into the end game content. Mm. So to, I maybe they're just hoping that. I, I actually don't know what they're hoping because it's not like it's now suddenly in a more portable format. It's a mobile yeah. game. I mean, I, I imagine that's hard to develop for like Smite, which has been around for quite a long time now, probably seven or eight years. Like just I think weeks ago, got the ability to like have cross progression. It's surprisingly rare in games, especially games that are on like many platforms. Like it was a lot. There was a lot of news because Fortnite allowed crossplay, cross progression, but they also have Epic behind them, who's now like fucking making a billion dollars a month. So, yeah, and I, I'm sure that Fortnite being the biggest game at the time probably helped. Where Gems of War, I don't think has the same player bases as Fortnite. I'm not. I don't have those numbers on oh, hand, on. so I can't yeah. be hundred percent. I'm sure if we, we open up Switch right now, Gems of War is probably right after League of Legends, in like top played yeah. games. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, I think so. You're probably yeah. right. No, but so that uh, I, I've also been you know going through my backlog and catching up on some other games. But as far as new stuff, Gems of War, I got back into that. Cool, pretty pretty hard in the last week. How about you? Beat Kingdom Hearts uh, about a week ago. This week I've been putzing around. I was playing this weird pinball game on Xbox. I don't know why pinball games always just seem so like welcoming. Cause it's like, there's nothing, there's no tutorial. It's fucking pinball. Like you better know how to play this. Um, so like I, I was playing that like some random pinball game for like three hours the other night, just, just zenning the fuck out. Um, what else? I, I started playing Ashen, which is, uh, not, not a dark souls knockoff as I'm sure most people have heard it in that context, but it's very much like a challenging action, uh, action adventure game. I don't want to say RPG. It's there's not that many RPG elements in that way. It's really hard to compare to Dark Souls because Dark Souls has like you know the the real old school like D and D style like plus one point to strength and like every single level like that sort of thing. Ashen, right? Ashen, as far as customization goes, it's pretty much just like you can you can power up your weapons. Uh, you can have a few what are effectively runes because you have like rune slots. I think they're called artifacts or something like that. And yeah, it's it's a good it's a challenging game. It's it, a little bit friendlier to play than Dark Souls, even though like a lot of like the key art and like the videos that they showed were very much like dark and like shadows crawling around and even like the demo i played of it last year at pax east was like literally you were underground like you had a lantern in a cave and you had to fight a shadow monster so it was like oh this game is completely in darkness and i was pleased to find that that's not necessarily the case like when you're in town there's like happy like folksy music playing and stuff so like in dark souls you very much never get a break from the dark souls but in Ashen, you can have some time to yourself and then just be like completely afraid to leave town. Sort of like real life where you're like, I don't want to go outside and face the real world. I'm just going to sit here and like listen to coffee house music and pretend that there are no problems. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's all I've been up to. Um, so I guess without further ado, might as well jump right into the matchup of the week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. This week we got Kingdom Hearts 3, a very long anticipated game versus Far Cry New Dawn, which are, are you saying that that Far Cry New Dawn was not long and anticipated? <laughs> I was I didn't want to qualify it because I hadn't played it. But uh, if you want to qualify it, go ahead. I mean, I, I think that people have been waiting for New Dawn for easily. What was it? Six months ago that they announced it. 
Before we get into this, I do want to disclose that I am very much a lifelong Kingdom Hearts fan. Um, so there, there may, there may ooze some biases uh, throughout my review, but I, I, I have plenty of hit hit points here too. Uh, but I just wanted to say I, I, I have I've had this game pre-ordered for six years. Don't pre-order games, kids. <laughs> it's very stupid. It's a waste of money. That's how people con you. But I mean, I, I played Kingdom Hearts one when it first came out. Picked Kingdom Hearts two. Cried a little bit at the end of that. Thought Kingdom Hearts three was coming out. You know, three years after that, been a long wait. They sure showed yeah, you. They, they got me again. Some fucking square. <laughs> I, I was going to try and qualify my statements about Far Cry is also a lifelong person who has played Far Cry games and has been moderately enjoying them the whole time. So I just want to make sure that that equal bias was out there. <laughs> no, don't worry, Andy. I won't hold it against you. All right, I, I appreciate that. I just don't want people to think that I'm some Ubisoft shill or anything. <laughs> Here, why don't why don't you go first? The gameplay for Far Cry New Dawn, and just give us a little a little overview of Far Cry New Dawn as a whole. Okay, well, if you've played a Far Cry game since Far Cry Three, then you're familiar with the gameplay of Far Cry New Dawn. It's the same big open world, go around and do missions, uh, take over small little encampments with stealth or just gunning, going in guns blazing. It has the same balance issues where stealth is horrendously overpowered and it's just sitting on a hilltop and sniping people is the easiest way to take down these uh, these outposts. You do that for a while. You've taken down over the outposts. You do some very set-piece oriented missions and then you get your final encounter and you're done. Nice, tidy couple of hours of, of Far Cry fun. There's... They don't have the towers anymore, but I don't think they've had those since Far Cry 4. Yeah, it was news at some point when they removed them. Yeah, because I, I don't think um, Caveman Far Cry had them. <laughs> although, that you know, Caveman, so not really. And then uh, there was a big joke about in Far Cry 5 on how they made you climb one of them. And the guy who gave you the quest said, but don't worry, I'm not going to be making you do this for the next 20 hours or something <laughs> like that. This is the only radio tower we've got in town kind of joke. Which, yeah, good. Wait, you know, glad that you're recognizing your faults mm. and, and, you know, this, the crutches you leaned on. Uh, New Dawn is set in the world immediately following uh, Far Cry 5 or sometime in the future, but it's in that same world. I think this may be the first, if you don't count the Far Cry 1 and all of their garbage spinoffs and sequels for Far Cry 1 with that guy that kind of looks like... Um, I'm not going to remember who he looks like. Some German actor on the front of it. I think it was the guy that was actually in the Far Cry Uwe Boll movie. This is the first one I think is a direct sequel plot-wise. As far as, you know, this is, you're continuing. There are characters from the first game that are referenced and make appearances in this one. You are in the apocalypse that happened after the ending of Far Cry 5. Which, I guess, spoilers. I mean, it's the, it's the premise of the game, but spoilers, Far Cry 5 ended with an apocalypse. So, you know, take that with what you will. The, the gameplay is about the same. You're running around, taking stuff over. You've got a kind of home base that you collect materials and level it up so that more weapons are available to you, better cars are available to you, that sort of thing. Um, they've done away with the weapon customization entirely, which 
if you ask me, makes no sense in game because all the weapons are made out of garbage. Like, like you're making silencers out of oil cans, kind of, mm. you know, crafting things together a la far, uh, Fallout. But none of them are customizable. You've got a rifle, and it has a scope that is on there, and a silencer that is on there, and you cannot take them off. You cannot get the rifle without them. But it's the same. It's the same Far Cry gameplay. You drive around, you shoot people, you take over bases, you do some missions that are fun. I guess it's a good game. Well, <laughs> so, was, were there any improvements <laughs> to the gameplay over Far Cry Five? No, probably no. not. I, I didn't notice any. <laughs> it, it, it was. It it was uh, they added these kind of like other map missions where you go into a menu and select like oh I'm gonna go raid this aircraft carrier and you can raid it on different difficulties and with better rewards. Mm. Uh, you know what? There there's there's one gameplay thing I remember. I didn't. This isn't like I, I played this game a month ago. Like I was playing this last week. Mm. You know, I, I should remember new new gameplay things. They had uh, you can go and take when you take over a, a base, an outpost. You can decide to raid it and just let the bandits come back and take it over again, and then you can take it take it back from the bandits again at a higher difficulty for better rewards. Oh, and so that was kind of cool. And you could do that for each base, I think four times up to the highest difficulty, and then you had done that. <laughs> so, and no one, no one can take that away from you. Is When you say better rewards, are we talking like, you know, like shared, shared world shooters where it's like, Oh, we're going to do this on the higher difficulty and yay. Like really, really good loot. I'm glad I, I spent my time doing the harder difficulty. No, <laughs> no, it's not that you get, you get crafting materials, which you can use to improve your weapons. Um, not by buying things or, or building onto them, but in generally just like, oh, burn 20 of this material and you can increase its damage by 7%. That's it. Like, it's it's pretty bare bones and, and boring as far as that crafting system goes. And yeah. if you're like me, about halfway through the game, you'll have unlocked the weapons you're going to use for the rest of it. And there's no reason to ever pick up a gun off the ground. There's no reason to ever switch them out because you don't really need they don't build it in a way where you need to keep switching your kit out for different situations. Yeah. It's, it's a really good, like I had a lot of fun with it, but I had the same fun that I had with far cry five and the same fun I had with far cry four. It's, it doesn't feel like it's an evolution of the series at all in as much as it is just more. Mm. Whereas you had something like blood dragon, which was like, wow, you've really done something different with this. There is some some changes you've made that make this feel like a different game. It's still fun. So, what what drove you to uh, your decision? And this is probably better for a later category. But what what why did you purchase Far Cry New Dawn? Because um, it, it was very much presented as not not its own new game, like set in the same environment. Uh, they were selling it cheaper, so they could probably get you to forgive some of these like. Uh, less developy less developed and thought out areas what 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 drove you uh what drove me was uh i was looking for a co-op game i could play with a friend of oh, mine okay and this was a new one that came out and uh beyond anything else the co-op was well done interesting you could uh very easy to set up a game and play it it didn't have 
they got rid of that ridiculous you've been tranquilized and are now forced into a cutscene and, and a mission that you had no warning of mechanic from Far Cry 5 oh, thank God. which which made even less sense in co-op <laughs> so they got they got rid of that which was great and uh, so now you can just have your friend come in and just play however much mm. you want which was great uh, and that's what we did we I, I did most of the missions solo and then he and I just puttered around almost like it was GTA and just shot stuff and blew okay. stuff up. And it was a fun little sandbox for doing that. But that, that was the main driving force for me. It was not a, what ha- I got to know what happens to this Creed guy and his weird cult hmm. of people. Did the co-op affect the gameplay at all? Like, did it make any enemies different, more difficult or anything? Oh man. If, if they did, they did a very bad yeah. job making it seem like it did. Cause it, it's not a game where it felt like more enemies were on screen because when when you're in co-op, at no point did I feel like, oh god, the enemies are getting harder. Oh, we, they're ramping up. They're really... It, it's, the, it's the same. It's just there's another guy there shooting for mm. you, which is cool. But it's just the, it's the same game with co-op. But that's the way it was in 5. I can't really be mad about it because it's they didn't say they were going to fix that. They didn't. <laughs> But they also didn't say they would. <laughs> well, good to know. Well, how would you summarize Kingdom Hearts 3's gameplay in a probably more enthusiastic way? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, brief overview of Kingdom Hearts 3. I pretty much already covered, you know, the, the great weight that is Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, but <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't clear, it's n- not the third game in the, the series. It's maybe the 10th. And very much uh, the story of 3 tells the story of all of these games, not just one and two it's not a direct sequel to just one and two it's a sequel to all all of the games um but it's most famous for being uh a mix of final fantasy worlds and uh disney worlds and what's also very interesting about three is that it's not a mix of final fantasy worlds there's not a single final fantasy character in it so that it is Really, no, no Sephiroth in there no, at no all. No Sephiroth, no Cloud, no nobody. It was is very, very really? jarring to find that out because that was one of the reasons I got into the franchise uh, in the first place. Um, so it's it's very much just, and I mean, there are so many goddamn characters in Kingdom Hearts three at this point that it's like, well, probably, <laughs> probably don't need to uh, further uh, exacerbate what's happening here. What else? I mean, for the most part, it's you're going around a planet, just like in the old one, and you're you're unlocking the heart of the planet, quote unquote, um, by you know saving it from the darkness, um, that sort of thing. And it tells the story of individual uh, Disney worlds as well as it has an overarching story that uh, culminates much later in the game. Um, so when you say Disney worlds, are you talking about like different like? the Cinderella world and the Peter Pan world and that Mm. kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, it it quite literally visualizes them as their own planets. So even though like a game or not game, uh, movies, uh, like snow, snow white and Cinderella would conceptually all take place on earth. None of them are on a place called earth. They're all their own planets, you know, literally floating on a rock, like, wherever the hell um like 
Yeah. Okay. Like, Pirates of the Caribbean is literally like when you fly to the world, it literally looks like it's just a giant skull with tentacles flying off. So it's like, well, I don't know how any of this would work in reality, but I'm no physicist. Right. Neither here nor there. The gameplay um, is sort of what I've always found to be the strongest part of Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, so in this game, I, I really think they nailed a lot of the gameplay. It, it does. It very much does the Japanese thing of you. You am become God. Like you're doing all sorts of ridiculous things like like running directly up walls and beating shit out of Titans with your, your tiny keyblade weapon. And uh, it's worth noting that I think you're I think Sora in this game is 14 or 15. He had. Oh, yeah. He hasn't okay. aged much over the last 20 years. But it, it, it's, it very much leans hard into, like, you become God. It's it's an action RPG game where you're very, very much jumping and flying through the air and slicing and dicing and summoning all sorts of things. Um, not the least of which random Disney characters in the middle of fights like Simba and what else? Stitch. A few other ones. There, That was Mighty Warriors. Mighty, Mighty Warriors. Yes, the Little Mermaid was one of them. The mightiest of warriors. She's hardcore. Oh, yes, she is in this game. (laughs) The gameplay itself, primarily in the combat, it gives you so many tools to work with that, like, I very much felt like I had so much fun playing with, like, half my toolkit and, like, didn't need to use the other half. But, like, other people might just want to spam, like, summoning those heroes that I had mentioned. But whereas, like, I just found it like ceaselessly appealing to literally just hit attack and like whiz through the air at 45 miles an hour t- towards my next target, <laughs> hack them up, launch them into the air, continue the combo in the air, throw them to the ground, like launch a, a giant thunder attack that blows up the entire quarter mile around me. And in this game, I think for the first time you can have three different keyblades on you at the same time. One of the things that it didn't do in the combat well was like there wasn't really a reason to switch between them they basically just became like more gear that gave you more strength and you would always be using whatever was the most powerful weapon each keyblade is that's disappointing yeah i mean all the keyblades are geared towards different things so like uh someone who focuses more on the magic usage would have a different kit than i would but i mean it's pretty obvious what you should be using gear wise at any given point but I think the most impressive thing that's also one of the more new things for the franchise itself is just the incredible level of pageantry in the game. And I think you had mentioned that Jim Sterling had referenced the genre as sort of like spectacle fighter, which is a pretty damn good way to describe it. It Very (laughs) much at, at any given time, you're getting like five different abilities that are procking randomly. Anything from like, um, classic rides like the the pirate ship um you could spin around on the pirate ship wait like 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 disney rides they're more generic than that so it's like rides you probably could have seen at okay. any theme park growing up um other than mag- okay. the magic teacups that's very much a disney thing as far as i know um yeah there's the magic teacup there was carousel um there was a roller coaster that's in a few rare fights but it's used really well i think it was only used in two or three fights in the entire game and every time I got to use it, I was like, yeah, um, it's 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 a game that's really impossible to describe, because if you had never played the franchise and you saw exactly what 
was happening at any given moment in this game, you would just be like, this is like games have gone too far, but I, for one, <laughs> ate it up. The, the combat is active combat. Yeah, very much, very much not turn based. You're you're spamming attacks. I mean, you could probably go through the whole game literally just hitting a over and over again if you play it on the easier difficulties. Is this game made worse by the fact that it has an easier <laughs> difficulty? Um, th- This game, no, because it wasn't made better by having a harder difficulty. So I, I okay, e- yeah, e- even though it's a single player game, which was like part of my argument before, it's yeah, it's very much meant to be accessible since it's a bloody Disney Disney joint. Um, I, I will say as a negative to the combat is those like the rides that I mentioned before did feel a little bit shoehorned in. Like a lot of times they were like there was too much of a cinematic build up to it and it just got annoying. I would get into fights and I'd be like, it would take me five times as long to, you know, start this ma- the the mad teacup ride or the blaster ride and like kill them. And as opposed to just hitting a, a bunch of times and slicing these things to death. Ah, uh, so yeah, that that's always a shame. Yeah. So a lot of times I would just leave them like it on, leave them on my screen as the timer was ticking down. I was like, come on, use me. You're running out of time. And I'd be like, I don't <laughs> want to. So I think like the pageantry sort of had its limits, but I overall, I truly had a blast with the gameplay in this game. Yeah, it sounds like you enjoyed it a lot more than, or you're at least a lot more excited about it than I was about Far Cry New Dawn. Oh, yeah. Like, you've got actual emotion in your voice. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell that you felt something mm. other than just acceptance at what you were yeah. playing. I did not describe anything as just fine. No, you didn't. You didn't. You, you described everything in very, uh, very glowing <laughs> terms. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Now, is the... Is the combat much different or is the gameplay much different from previous Kingdom Hearts games? I would not say so. The The UI is very much the same. The essence of the game is very much the same. There's just a lot more like bells and whistles. Like it's it, it, it takes a lot out of like the Devil May Cry rule book more so than it does like regress where it, it gives you more abilities. And if you want to use them, you can. It's not as difficult to learn as Devil May Cry by any means. They definitely kept it very accessible, though. Okay. Okay. So so someone like me who played all of one, some of two, and none of the 2.8, 1.9, Dream Drop Distance nonsense, I would be able to jump in and, and understand what's going I on. I cannot think of any reason you wouldn't be able to. Hmm. Perfect. That That's, that's really hmm. good to hear. So uh, I guess didn't sound like you are a very big advocate for uh, your game winning the gameplay category, so... No, I, I'm I'm not an advocate for it losing by any means, but I'm a very much a, if it lost, it would not hurt hmm. me in any way. And I would unabashedly say that I think Kingdom Hearts 3, maybe yeah, this category many, more than others, deserves it. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like you really, really like that game. <laughs> I really like the gameplay. We'll get, we'll get to the more yeah. stuff. Now. You, you really like the, the yeah. gameplay. You enjoyed playing sure the game. Did. Sure did. All right, so... That round goes to Kingdom Hearts. All right. So now we got uh, right. art and sound. Uh, sure. Uh, the art and sound in Far Cry 5 was definitely there. I could both <laughs> see and hear the game anytime I chose to. If I closed my eyes, I could still hear it. If I covered my ears, I could still see it. So that was both expected, but you know, pleasant that that mm. continued. Because it is just 
and this is the problem with the Far Cry series is that it, it has not iterated enough. Far Cry needs its own Assassin's Creed Origins. It needs some. It needs a moment for someone to boil it down and then rebuild it, because it just it, the, the sound design's fine. The voice acting yeah. is, is good. You know the guns sound good. The the helicopters sound choppery. When stuff's on fire, you can hear it burning. I, I, I sound very like like very negative on the game, and I'm not. I played it to the end. I really enjoyed it. And if if there had been more, I would have kept playing it. But the mm. the uh, the sound was just kind of it's, it's fine. The visuals were definitely a uh, were a step away from Far Cry Five, just because they were a lot brighter. There's a lot more bright neons, neon pinks and yellows and, and blues, which were kind mm. of I guess supposed to represent the apocalypse. I don't really know why they, they were there. The, the rival, the bandit gang uses a lot of those colors. And so when they take over areas, there would just be walls painted kind of hastily in these, these bright colors. And it looked really good. Hmm. Uh, as did the, you know, the way they designed the guns that you weren't allowed to customize that were made out of garbage looked really good. They looked really cool. They were well designed. The skins you could get for them that I would never spend the time trying to earn or spend any money on because it's a single player game. Those looked mm. really cool as well, and the ones I earned just kind of on my own and applied were good. They they looked like gun skins, and, and it was fine. The ah, it's so hard. I feel like I feel like I've gotten two games in a row here where it's just the art design is completely serviceable. It, it meets yeah. the expectations and needs of the game, and it doesn't really fall flat in any way. The characters are well drawn out and designed. You know. I, when seeing them on my screen, I could recognize them and tell them apart. <laughs> There's a bear. I could tell the bear from the pig. Uh, from it's like from I was the there. Dog. Yeah, I, I know. I, I paint a I paint a very pretty picture here. <laughs> it, it, I, so, in the game's defense, I thought that it was very appealing from an art. I haven't played it, mm. um, but I thought like if, if one thing was most appealing about the game from not having played it. Uh, it would have been the art design. So you, you didn't think that that was incorporated all that well. It was just like just a color scheme, basically, to lure in people like me. Yeah, I, it's bright. I appreciate that it's bright because I think that there is a real lack of bright colors in modern FPSs. They're all very yes. dreary and dark. And I'm sure that there is some Medal of Honor or Call of Duty game to blame for that. I don't know which one. But I'm sure one of them is is responsible, and so it's it's gray ops. Yeah, yeah. Call of Duty gray ops did it, or uh, the Warfighter. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. That that's really nice, and, and everything is bright. You've got this this feeling of a lot of things growing back, and you're like the, these plants kind of overtaking things. Um, mm. You've got because you've had the apocalypse, and then a little time has passed, and now things are are, are overgrown again, and that was kind of cool. And there were some areas where where you had these like buried churches or half buried churches and buildings that had kind of semi fallen over bridges that were were. But the the, the problem was it just it didn't feel like it incorporated itself enough. Mm. It it was very pretty. It looked. I preferred the, the look of this to Far Cry Five because Far Cry Five was kind of verdant, but. Just, just a verdant Montana. I think it was set in. 
Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, at least, there is some cleverness in the way things are, are laid out. You've got your enemies that are kind of halfway between Mad Max and Borderlands with these painted hockey gear and masks and shields made from car um, car hoods. Some of the, the weird mutated animals looked cool. And maybe as I'm saying, you know, talking about it more, I'm, I'm enjoying it a little bit more as I think really think about yeah, it. Yeah, so that's interesting. So there, there are new character designs as well. Oh, um, yeah. That's- it's definitely not a, 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 a real flip of five. Like, they use a lot of stuff, but there's also a lot of new usage of foliage and dilapidated buildings and mm. in the way Borderlands looks like it's made out of trash. Yeah. But like trash that people still wanted to make their own. So like they built their trash hovel and then thought they'd spruce it up over a weekend. That, that's kind <laughs> of the, the feeling that, that new Dawn has of like, this is a, yeah. this is a good looking trash. hovel. <laughs> so bad. I don't know where you guys get all this, this paint from or when you had the time. Yeah. Yeah. Between s- scavenging for non irradiated food. I, I don't understand that part at all. I don't, I, you know, <laughs> there's, there's no logic to that part of it. That's fine. I, I'm, it's a Far Cry game. It takes place in the future. I'm not going to really worry all that much about the, uh, the logistics of it. Mm. But it looked cool. They, they did some good stuff with it. Yeah. So could you, in, instead of comparing it to Far Cry 5, like how did it feel compared to other like post-apocalyptic games? Like maybe not such brown ones like Fallout, but like maybe some other ones. Um. So... It was much brighter and less brown than the fall the Fallout series. It mm. was um, much brighter and less full of demons than the Metro series. <laughs> it was much brighter and more verdant than the Mad Max game that I know will never get a sequel, no matter how much I want oh. it to. Same, rip. Yeah, that's a sad one. Um. Yeah, I guess I guess it was unique in that way. You know, you you have done a very good job selling me on the, on the aesthetics of this game. So so well done, <laughs> well, you. Buy it now, Andy. Yeah, bucks. I, sh- I should check this out. I should check this game out. It sounds really pretty. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks good. I, I think that they did their use of of foliage and greenery and, and flowers popping up everywhere was kind of cool. Looked really oh. nice, and it gave it a distinct like. I think. Unlike some of the previous Far Far Cry games, where you could actually take screenshots that looked like they that they could have come from any Far Cry game, this was distinct. Mm. I don't think I've seen a screenshot of this game that didn't, you know, other than like, hey, it's night and there's just the horizon. But every screenshot of this game looks like Far Cry New Dawn. It's very mm. distinctive in that way. So, yeah, I would say this is this is good art. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a very well uh, well visually <laughs> designed game. Sound is fine. Sound 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 is fine. Sound is fine. Yeah, perfectly serviceable. Very serviceable. Okay. So, my main question was: Did this game also need to be set in Montana? I, I would I would hold that question for the story segment of our program. Okay. I will. All right. All right, um, I'll talk about Kingdom Hearts art and sound design. Um, I think I think to a certain extent, uh, the sound design was not really anything special. Um, it very much leans on 
the old games. So if, if there was one thing that I could draw like extremely clear lines between Kingdom Hearts one, two and three, it's the sound design. It's it's like the same sort of, you know, noises when things get get hit by the keyblade and die. Obviously, with new abilities and stuff come new sounds. Most of the time they were just startling, like when you pick a ride and just be fucking explosions all over the place. <laughs> For the most part, though, I'm probably going to be a little bit down on the sound design. And I think it's a lot, lot to do with the voiceovers more than anything. And probably to no fault of their their own, just because of how like weird, like weirdly ambitious the game is. It's like really jarring to hear some of the real voice actors and then in the exact same area, someone that's very clearly not the correct voice actor for a role. Um, oh, okay. Some some people have very distinctive voices. So you're just like when you're in the Hercules world, you're like, oh, it's definitely James Woods. Like if for no other reason, he's not working at all anymore. Um, I, I can't imagine why. It, <laughs> um, and then you go to like the Pirates of the Caribbean world and you're like, that's very sh- assuredly not Kira Knightley, but the guy that did the guy that did uh, Jack Sparrow is pretty close, and the guy that or- the guy that did Orlando Bloom did a terrible job. Um, so it's it's like when you're acting out like very like specific humans, it becomes like really tricky. Like it really takes you out of the immersion. Um, which is is more of a thing for the next category, but um, I'm going to count it as a hit on the sound design as well. Did the main characters, like the uh, Mickey, Goofy, Donald, did, were those all at least the same actors as prior Kingdom Hearts games? They all sounded the same, and honestly, I thought that Sora was a different voice actor until the credit ro- credits rolled, because he sounded so different, and I think it's because Haley Joel Osment put on, like, 60 pounds since Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. Ah, that'll, and he that'll was do a it. straight up. Yeah. And he was a straight up child when Kingdom Hearts 1 came out. So like between 1 and 2, like like you can hear it. You're like, "Oh yeah, he's he's older Sora now. This is really cool. Like I'm glad they kept the same voice actor." And like Kingdom Hearts 3, I was like, "That cannot be him." <laughs> and then literally like I just got over it after a while, and then the credits rolled, and I was like, "Oh, it was him. That's awesome." I had completely but, forgotten that he'd done the voice for that yeah. game. Yeah, I remember a lot of the voice actors for the franchise were like, it was a big deal um, that they were involved. Like Lance Bass from NSYNC was Sephiroth in the first game, I believe. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah, there's that's like a, amazing. Did he come back? Oh, no, Sephiroth. That's why. That's probably why they didn't yeah. bring him in. They couldn't get Lance Bass again. Yeah, that's got to be it. He was too busy. Um, Jesse McCartney did the voice of uh, Ventus in these games. And a Jesse couple of the other McCartney. characters. Yeah, yeah, he came back for this one, too. Wow. Fun, fun fact. We're really broadening our, our audience now. You can get in the the once 14-year-old girls, but now 30 audience. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I, I don't think I was particularly impressed by the sound design. Like, it did a good job of making the game more colorful, because it is a colorful game, which sort of segues into the art design for the game, which is very colorful and also very much distinctly somehow both kingdom hearts and could just be any Japanese game, really like a, any bubbly Japanese game. Um, some of the, like any of the cutscenes, like you're reminded how cartoonishly large, like all the characters eyes are stuff like that. Oh. Um, but one of the, one of the things like that I really enjoyed about 
the art design was that because there were all these different worlds, they didn't really skimp on designing each of them as individual worlds. Like a really good example is every single treasure chest on every single or all the treasure chests on each individual planet had their own design. Um, every when you're on each individual really planet. Yeah, I think there's like 12 different planets, um, roughly. No, wait, somewhere between nine and 12. And yeah, each each uh, map has its own UI um, that's unique to the, the environment. Like um, like just think, a, a UI like theme or literally a redesigned UI? Oh, theme. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Well, s- some some of them have unique like things you can get into. Um, like there's mechs on the Toy Story world. Okay. You can jump into the mech toys. And then obviously you get a new UI with that. There's there's also like there's quite a few planets where you can get into very unique like thing vehicles like that as well that you can't do on every single world. Primarily the just the UI where you're like selecting your abilities. Um, That's the, really cool. It was it was really cool. It's like it's one of those things that like was a clear result of this game being in development for an eternity. It's like they had. They had time to polish a lot of strange things, and like I was, I was really grateful for it. So the the character design for the main, even the main characters, is unique on a lot of the planets. Um, like it, when you're in the Mo- Monsters Inc. world, you're a monster. So like Donald has one eye, and Goofy, he's like a t- tentacly monster looking thing. That sounds Sora terrifying. Just, yeah, Sora looks somehow more emo. Um, <laughs> The Toy Story world just have like blocky joints and stuff. I think that was one of the cooler designs, honestly, Hmm. even though that was like my least favorite planet. So I think it sort of like balances out. I think the art design was really well done. There was like a lot of nuanced touches that made it really beautiful. But the the sound design was like really sort of all over the place, I'll say. So like I I would say I'm, I'm neutral on this category. I would say that you talked me into being very much pro sound design, art design primarily, but sound design as well for uh, for New Dawn. I I, I think it did do some some interesting stuff. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad to have played it and talked to you about it. Yeah. Do you want to just take over my next one as well? It, I, I would actually appreciate it. Yeah, sure. World building in Far Cry New Dawn. Um, you could probably handle stuff this one going on. Your own. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, sounds, no, I'm not really sounds accurate so far. So it's it's based around uh, two twins, right? Obviously, y- two. Yes. Yeah. They 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 are the primary antagonists, c- kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. They're the primary antagonists, okay, kind of. That's interesting. It's not as cut and dry as like this is Pagan Min and he's the guy, or this is well, I mean, Voss was a different one because this is Voss and he's the guy. Until about 40% and then we got rid of him and replaced him with a, an extremely boring character. It was a bit more nebulous. They, you don't get that good introduction to the bad guy right at the beginning. That same kind of powerful, like, them monologuing for a minute and getting real close to your face. So you yeah. can see all those digitally rendered pores and eyebrows, eyebrow hairs and mm. everything. That is That is a very quintessential Far Cry thing, too. So it's interesting that they diverged from that. Yeah, you still get your moment with them, but it's not that, like, boom, here you are. Boom, here are the twins. Take a look at those. Get your face all up in that. Not not as much. You've, you've piqued my interest now. How how do they introduce you to the game? Since it's a post-apocalyptic, it's got to be kind of interesting, right? Yeah, you get this kind of, like, slideshow of, like, hey, uh, spoilers, the last game ended with exploding. 
and everyone basically got fucked in this apocalypse and the world kind of subsided for a while and it was a shit place to be but then people started coming out of the woodwork as the world bounced back like you know nature finds a way and plants things and plants start overgrowing things then people start coming out of their little fallout bunker style arrangements to repopulate Hmm. the earth and you have these bandits that are kind of taking over the area and you're part of this resistance that's gonna help out and you're in this train a bunch of fallen over train cars that are on fire and you're supposed to be helping this resistance fighter guy but i think he just gets shot in the face and you don't make (laughs) it there but he's supposed to help out anyways and help fight the resistance and take down these bandits and and uh help bring montana to the glory that we all imagine it to be return it to the glory yeah finally montana reaches its uh it's it's new dawn (laughs) so that the 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 twins felt much less like a big plot element than joseph seed or pagan man or Voss or i can't remember the name of the armed smuggler in far cry 2 but that guy oh you played far cry 2 oh i loved far cry 2 Far Cry 2 may be my favorite Far Cry game. My mind just got blown. Well, we'll talk about that eventually. There's a lot of things the Far Cry series could learn from Far Cry 2 in what makes a game more than just fine. (laughs) And Far Cry 2 is a very flawed game, but it's... They did some things that just... You can't see me, you know, I'm doing that thing where you you put your fingers up to your mouth and you... Like the the kissing because food tastes good. That thing. Oh, <laughs> whatever you call that you were gesture. Doing, like the, the, the tongue between the forked fingers. Was no, like, Jesus, Andrew. no, I, I mean, Far Cry, Far Cry 2 is good, but it, it's Get not it, you like it. It's no match three game. It's no puzzle quest. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, the theming and just kind of the world building in this were interesting because you do get this real feel of um, there are times where it almost felt like like a like a Elder Scrolls game. Because there's a mission series where you go into an arena and you fight hmm. an arena a little bit. And, and that really felt, reminded me of the arena in Oblivion. And just kind of going into this area and walking down these long hallways as people are shouting at you. And in this well-populated arena where people are coming at you and fighting you. And then you never do it again. This is done. Hmm. It's kind of like, oh, well, well, that was pretty cool there for a little while. But, Okay. A lot of moments like that, these set pieces that that really feel good in world, but they don't they don't get used again. You don't return to them again in, in a cool way. They just kind of happen, and then you're done. So it, yeah. it's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of single use world that that was built. Um, That's a shame because it's very much not a linear style franchise. So. No, but the, why, the, why sacrifice what you made? Because I remember, like the um, in Far Cry Three, they had those missile silos that you could run through, mm-hmm. and those like you know one time run through it as quick as you can. There are a lot of missions like that in this. Just like, well, here's your one shot to do this thing. Go do it. Go do it. Was that fun? Okay. Well, we're never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, they did that a bit in Five too. Yeah, they, that's kind of something they've they've done the whole time through. It's just with such a. A, a starkly different world. Mm. I, I kind of wish I could have spent more time. The, the dilapidated outdoors is cool, but I would have liked to spend a lot more time in like semi-open dilapidated buildings. You know, half-demolished warehouses, and you know they had these big 
half-destroyed bridges, but you don't really do enough on them. Yeah. A bridge is a cool place to fight. Oh, yeah, it certainly is. So there is just... The world was built out, but maybe not used in the in the best possible way. Okay. I, oh, you asked the question of did it need to be set in Montana? Um, yes, yes, most importantly. To tell the story that they told, yes. But I don't think the story that they told necessarily needed to be the story they told. Like, uh, the, the parts like of it... it was contrived to be in Montana? Uh, no, I think it was more just that, like... Like, did Fallout 4 need to be set in Boston? No. I mean, to to tell to mm. do a lot of the missions that they had in there, it needed to be set in Boston. But you could have made a Fallout game in any other city. And I think yeah. a post-apocalyptic Far Cry game could have been done anywhere. It didn't need to be done as a sequel to Far Cry 5. And I don't think that its narrative was so greatly served by the fact that it's directly tied to Far Cry 5 that... I wouldn't have enjoyed just a, hey, it's 300 years in the future in the world's shit, and here's Far Cry. Mm. Like, I, it didn't, the fact that it was a sequel to Far Cry 5 wasn't the part of the world building that was really fun. It was just the fact that this is a post-apocalypse, everything's made out of garbage, people are crazy, everything's shit, everything's overgrown. Those parts were all really cool. The parts that related back to Joseph Seed and the cult whatever good good world building not not my favorite storytelling in the series mm. that's, that's interesting yeah I, th- I think that that kind of sums it up how's how is the world building and theming in kingdom hearts 3 well here's the thing is that when you're on quite literally 9 to 12 different worlds it's hard to get this real sense of immersion when you're literally being ripped out of the world after three to four hours. I think uh, that's probably the best way I can describe it is you're just, you're moving around so much that like, you're never really invested in like the core story. You, you had the game forces you to get reinvested in all of these Disney worlds individually. Oh, and like, cause it, it very much just sort of retells the story of, each of these Disney worlds and to extremely varying degrees of success where it like quite literally tries to retell the entire story of the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie when you're on that world. Oh, wow. And it it does it with like, like almost like jump cuts to scenes that couldn't possibly have happened because characters were like right next to you. And you're just like, you're trying real hard to shoehorn this together. Whereas like, like if they just went with what made that world like kind of unique, it would have been better. Like there was quite literally a sailing aspect to that world, which was surprisingly fun. They made a huge map. You could jump off the boat and go on to like, like 15 different islands. There was pirate combat. Like they that did sounds, a good job. That with sounds that world. pretty cool. Yeah. But they tried to tell, like they literally tried to tell the story from one of the, the worst four out of six uh, pirates of the Caribbean movies. Is there and six already? I think a sixth one came out not long ago. Good God. So like that was just awkward. Um, the toy story world was the story was just dumb, dumb as rocks. Basically like, somehow the world gets diverged from the actual world that like 
Andy and his toys live in. And so you're dealing with these toys that have like separation anxiety. And so they are like, okay. And then like some of the toys go missing. And so they're like, they must have gone to the toy store. And so they went to the toy store and like, it was a really cool environment to be fighting in since you're like miniature toy size and you're fighting other toys. But like anytime you thought about the story, you're like, I like it literally hurt me. That's like one of the first worlds. And I had a lot of trouble getting through it. Cause I was like, I, I kind of fucking hate this. Like every time they talk, I'm getting kind of angry. So yeah, I ended up taking probably a, a few day break after that world. Cause I was like, Ugh, I can't, if this happens again, I'm gonna have some real trouble. Some of the worlds are a lot more forgiving. Um, San Francisco doesn't try and tell a super, it, it tells a unique story in big hero six. As far as I know, I mean, it might be from the comic books or something, but, it's um, not it's not it, the movie just again. Yes, not yes. And that was a really cool environment. Uh again, bridge fight to start off that world. Dope. Real dope set piece. Ah, uh, that's I'm I'm jealous of that bridge fight. Yeah. Since it's San Francisco, it's basically whatever the Golden Gate Bridge is called in that in that world. They did a real mm. bad job of sprinkling important bosses throughout the entire game. Um so the story uh, basically climaxes right at the end. Oh. And you you end up resolving an infinite amount of plot points from the Kingdom Hearts franchise in about like under four hours, and most of them just back to back within that four hours. Oh. Yeah, um, because it tells it, it basically is does just does the anime thing for the entire rest of the game, where it's like, ha ha ha, let me reveal to you part of our master plan. Goodbye now, and then they're like, oh, now we we have an idea of what to do to deal with it, and then like. That all culminates in the last two worlds. Last two worlds are dope, though. I will say that. Can you reveal the last two without it being a spoiler? Well, they're not Disney worlds, so it would be a spoiler. Okay. They're they're unique worlds. I think in almost all the Kingdom Hearts games that are like heavy into the the actual Disney worlds, they actually don't base like the culmination of the story in a Disney world. So it's like you get sort of this even playing field. But like, again, that sort of raises problems with like, being truly immersed in a story like this. Right. The story of Kingdom Hearts 3, I would say it probably is both the worst and the best of what makes the stories in the story in the entire franchise really great. Basically, the the story of Kingdom Hearts is like the most convoluted thing you could ever imagine. There's so many different villains like jumping through time. I think Jim Sterling did a 20 minute video where he was trying to explain the story of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I I'm going to do a real bad job. Let's let's just say the same villain somehow appears in like somewhere between like eight to 12 different bodies over the course of time. And they all are like converging at the same time to psych out the, the fake bad guys from the other games because they're the actual real bad guys. And uh and stuff. Oh, God, is so much that, stuff. No, this makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah, sure. So. Um, and I mean, you're the band of good guys like Mickey, Mickey Mouse is like your fucking your homie. Um, you got you got your mentor and they're all trying to like save a bunch of allies. So you can all get the exact number of people to fight their exact number of people because of the prophecy. And even though we could have gotten more good guys, the prophecy. Right. Of course, it's it's just needlessly convoluted, but also it wraps up almost every loose end in the franchise there. There should be more to expect from the franchise, um, whether it's the same group of people or not, that remains to be seen. But that 
I don't I don't think any of what I said was a good thing. <laughs> I will say that like I was I was always had this like very comfortable feeling while playing the game. So like in that sense, like I was immersed in that the game like made me like childlike and joyful for like the first time in a long time. Well, that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. So like I, it rekindled like a, a lot something that may that I assumed was dead inside me, which was joy. <laughs> no, I'm exaggerating, but it, it did a good job of make, making me forget how corny the game was because it was just so like overwhelmingly nice. So that's the, the one positive. But I would say in this category, it's sort of like I would say they did a pretty fucking janky job. <laughs> OK, so it, it sounds like. We both had games that could have done a better job, but maybe it sounds like yours at least had more highs in world building than than uh, New Dawn did. I keep wanting to call it New Vegas. That New Dawn, that you had the, the highs were higher than New Dawn's highs. That might be true, but I would say the lows were also lower. Really, I'm, I'm thinking of like a positive. If they did a good job, it was for the same reasons that it did a good job with the art art design and i can't really give it credit for the same thing twice right i mean other than being like contrived uh, i used that word you didn't um yeah it it wasn't contrived like it's hard because everything made sense everything worked in story like it just i didn't they didn't make it, it it wasn't exciting for me well, you're talking about these moments of like getting kind of giddy and feeling wrapped up in these. Like there, there wasn't any of that That's in the story point. and world of New Dawn. It was just like, okay, let's keep going, and not in a, in a bad way, but just in a very neutral way. And it it didn't make me feel anything. Where it sounds like Kingdom Hearts made you feel some things sometimes. Yeah, I I would say that, and if uh, that. If, if that's how you feel, then I think I can agree with that. And I guess yeah. give credit to Kingdom Hearts. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. So that leaves us with a two to one score in favor of Kingdom Hearts, which makes our last category very relevant since it's mm. a two point category um, per our explanation on episode one. Check that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So our last category is overall experience. I will let you go ahead and sum up your entire experience with Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, two words. It's fine. <laughs> the overall feeling of it was it was a good game. Like it, I enjoyed the time I spent with it, but I did not. I'm already having difficulty remembering bits of it, and I mm. will have even more difficulty in a month's time. And that's the same way I feel about Far Cry 5 and Far Cry 4, because I think about Far Cry 3, and I think about Blood Dragon. I remember a lot of the beats of Far Cry 3, even now, because that game was really interesting and a really memorable experience. Blood Dragon was a just insane experience, and I loved that yes. game. And I remember, yes. even though it was short, even though a lot of the gameplay loop was repetitive, uh, it was still a very enjoyable game because of how well-themed and and bright and colorful and unique it was. Far Cry 2, I remember a lot of, despite it being a very flawed game, uh, and I think I was one of like eight people who played it and enjoyed it. This game I'm going to forget. It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave me in a couple months' time, mm. and I will have difficulty remembering more than, I, than what's displayed on the Steam page for it. And you know, what was in the just general marketing and big picture 
um, you know, mile high view of it. I'm not going to remember specific okay. missions. Yeah. I can really only remember like four missions off the top of my head that actually I that Yikes. that were that I remember doing. They were all there. I played through and beat all the missions, but I remember like three or four of them. Whereas I can remember more Far Cry two and three missions. So I, huh. Huh. it's fine. It, it was a very enjoyable experience, but forgettable. Okay. I greatly enjoyed Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't know how much more detail I need to go into, and for the sake of time, probably shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. I had some problems with it, but I mean, I always went back to the game after I blew off some steam, and the problems were entirely story-related because like, some of the worlds were just like tedious, like long, draining uh, emotionally because of how dumb the stories were. Um, but for every every low in the story, like there were like it did things right. Like San Francisco did it taught told a really unique story that um, like it was definitely a rehash of what the movie was movie slash comic, but also like very much its own thing. And I very much enjoyed it as its own thing. So, yeah, I mean, and the game's endlessly fun. I play the game for the gameplay almost entirely. I would say at the end of the day, my overall experience was definitely positive despite the negatives and and you'll remember this in a couple of months i i think about it frequently and i will definitely remember it at least as at least for a few years hopefully by the time kingdom hearts 4 comes out but i'm just jinxing myself now knock on wood yes yes memorable unique amongst all the games that i've played in recent years i think that's one of the things that kingdom hearts really is makes Kingdom Hearts special is that it's not really like anything else. And Kingdom Hearts three very much kept that same feeling. Like it didn't sacrifice what made the old game special to bring the game into a new generation. And that's a game that Kingdom Hearts two came out two generations ago. So it, it had a lot to prove and I think it proved everybody happy. I won't say proved him wrong. I don't think anyone was rooting against Kingdom Hearts, but no, yeah. I, the worst I saw was, is it going to be worth the wait? Yeah. Uh, as a fan, a longtime fan, I will leave it at that. I would say it was worth the wait. Interestingly enough, despite hmm. all its flaws. Well, that, that's, so, I, I think that very much let's settle on kingdom, uh, kingdom hearts. I mean, that that's a good, indicator that that was just a better okay game. so i think i agree and so with that that's that's a four to one win uh for kingdom hearts three and kingdom hearts three will be moving on to our winner's bracket at some point later this year yeah good good job kingdom hearts clap three. clap 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 all right uh be sure to check out episode one if you haven't this has been episode two I'm Brent Langevin. You can find me on all the social medias at Arcadia. That's a key E-Y in the middle of Arcadia. Coincidence to Kingdom Hearts? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Andrew Paulo. You can find me on all relevant social medias as Solitalker. Uh, S-O-L-I Talker, as in someone who talks about Solly. Um, so look me up there. Right, great. Well, uh, see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.